here come more flat top, here come grooving up slowly. He got jewel to eyeball, he won holy rolling. He got head down to his knees. Got to be a joker, he just do what he please. Come together right now over me. You've waited long enough. It's time, people. This is the Beatles episode. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism. Conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. When the world seems like it's pressing in, how do you get by? How do you get past the fear of loss or pain How do you really connect with another person, especially if you've been hurt before? What if you've never known a healthy relationship or healthy love in the first place? How do we have real love and intimacy and relationship with others? How do we have real intimacy and relationship with God in a world that is so, so broken? When I find myself in times of trouble, what do I do? These are all questions that we find throughout the music of probably the biggest band of all time, the Beatles. A lot of times on this show, we talk about whatever is happening and trending right now, but sometimes we take a look back on the greats, on the classics, and who have influenced generations of musicians and artists. And today, I can't think of a bigger, more influential artist than the Beatles. My name is Mike Tenney. I'm a Catholic speaker and worship leader from Washington, D.C. I spent over a decade teaching Catholic high school theology and also trying to make it big as a rock star at night. And now I'm blessed to speak and lead music for thousands of people each year at events all over the place and through this show, Pop Culture Catechism. Today, I am very happy to be joined by Dom Qualia, Catholic speaker and also big Beatles fan. So he's going to be on the show and I really uh, think you're going to like what he has to say. This is Pop Culture Catechism. If it's your first time here, this is the gospel according to pop music and movies where we take a deep dive into the music and the movies that you are plugged into. So then when we're done and we unplug from our earbuds and our phones and our tablets that we can go out in the real world and we can know God's love better and we can live God's love better. Special thank you to our patrons who make this show possible through popculturecatechism.com. And hopefully by the end of this episode, you're going to have a little bit better grasp of how to know God's love and live God's love in this world. I would like to welcome to the show, Dom Qualia. Dom, how are you? Mike, I'm so good, man. It's good to chat with you. Uh, It's been a while since I've seen you and Mm -hmm. I'm just really happy to be here and to talk about the Beatles, no less. Very exciting. Absolutely. Yeah, you're you're it's 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 nice when I get to have a guest on the show that I've actually met in person. You and I got to meet at the National Catholic Youth Conference briefly last year and we just we've been following each other for a while. Every once in a while we'll send each other a message about something so um and my my good friend uh, Benjamin Jude who was on the show, one of my first shows from the beginning, mm-hmm. he's like, "You got to get Dom on the show. He's just so good. Just get him on." So I've been meaning to have oh, you on for nice. a while. Yeah. So shout out, shout out to, to Jude and uh, yeah. glad, glad to have you here. Tell us uh, about yourself. You're, you're a Catholic speaker and yeah, tell us who you are. Yeah. So I have been uh, speaking at kind of random events around, around different places in the church. Gosh, I think it's, I think I'm going on like 10 years of doing that. And it, it, I, it was never really my intention. I just kind of started doing it for fun and then it just sort of picked up. And before I knew it, it was like what I was doing with my time. So I've been really, really blessed over the last like 10 years or so to travel the world speaking to to people. And uh, I, I still do it, 
but I've kind of started to slow down, you know, in my older age of 30 or <laughs> 31, I think I am now. I've uh, I decided to slow down a little bit. So I still do it like a couple times a month, but I'm, I'm also doing real estate and I'm um, trying to invest more in my wife's career. She's a musician. So I'm trying to spend a little bit more of my time kind of with her and, and all that. So kind of entering into a new phase. I feel like COVID was a was a transition point for a lot of people to just kind of figure out, am I going to keep doing exactly what I was doing or is this a good time to switch things up? You know, so I'm kind of in the middle of one of those periods. But speaking to people is still like my my number one passion. So I love that I get to do it. It's 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 a it's a joy. Yeah, that's awesome. I love getting to do it too. Yeah, and COVID definitely threw a wrench in the whole speaking thing. So yeah, yeah and, and <laughs> yeah. your your wife uh for people that don't know, Dom's wife is Sarah Kroger. She's she's uh, awesome uh, Catholic musician, part of uh, the Village Lights, which is uh, which is a, a Christian band with Ike Indolo and, and Ricky Vasquez. Ricky's going to be on the show. I don't know if his show will be um, out before this or after this, but Ricky's coming on the show. I'm filming with him next week. So, um, oh, very cool, awesome. Yeah, it should be fun. And you and you sit in with them sometimes, right? You play play guitar also as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I play a little bit of acoustic guitar. Um, a little bit of bass if 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 the bassist can't be there but yeah. but Sarah's got an awesome band uh her music director Zorin is like a com- is a complete genius with putting mm-hmm. the and not just a musician but but worshipper like he's a really really good worshiping music director so that band is just so much fun to play in because That's it's awesome. like a group of really talented musicians who also like to do worship stuff which is mm-hmm. really cool you know yeah, that's awesome. I love getting to play with good music. My, 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 I call him my drummer, Brian Wilson. He was on our, our John Mayer episode. I will say, I say he's my drummer, but really I'm his worship leader because he's like way better than me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, I get that. Uh huh. All right, cool. Well, let's talk about the Beatles. If you don't know who the Beatles are, get out from under the rock you're living under people. You should know who the Beatles are. They were an English rock band formed in Liverpool in 1960, composed of John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. This is from Wikipedia. They are regarded as the most influential band of all times and were integral to the development of the 1960s counterculture and popular music's recognition as an art form. There's just, you, you can't say enough about the Beatles. They're just huge. They have ton, tons of out, they have entire albums of like their number ones you know <laughs> you could fit on like two you'd take like two cds to fit all the number one records they have so i actually um no no hate on my parents but my parents actually didn't like introduce me that much to the beatles they were they were very into like folk stuff john denver and uh my mom was into motown but I actually listened to like very little of the beatles and it wasn't till i got older and all my musician friends were like what you don't know the beatles here listen to this here listen to this so i i still feel like i'm a little bit of a, of a newbie getting into the beatles but uh tell me what do you love about them what is what is what is great about the beatles why are they such a big deal yeah, it's it's a great question. It's a hard one to answer. It's funny because right now there is so much information on the Beatles, definitely more information than there ever has been, just in terms of like documentaries and all that. There's so it's a really interesting story right now. And then there's a I'm not sure which platform it's on, but there's, you know, that show where Paul McCartney is talking with Rick Rubin and they're going through songs and they're they're, you know, these they're at the board so they're like you know highlighting different parts and like kind of isoing like a vocal or a bass line or something and paul mccartney's just explaining the songs and in the midst of that i kind of rediscovered why i love the beatles which is that they just did things nobody else was doing you know and they were so influenced by other people like they're constantly saying um oh we took that little riff idea from this band or we took this sort of drum idea from this band but 
they're not shy about that. They, they were influenced by people, but then they took that and they took risks. They did stuff that nobody else was doing. They blended sounds together. You know, they would have a rock and roll song that would go, kind of go into a waltz in the bridge for, for no reason. And they just were, it was just the most free flowing kind of creative genius that I feel like I've heard in a long time. And there's obviously a lot of great artists and a lot of great bands, but the Beatles sort of made a song for everybody. You know, I, I don't know if you could find somebody who who doesn't like a single Beatles song because they, they just kind of covered the whole musical world, it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like they were one of the first bands to do that. Like, I feel nowadays, if you've been an artist for long enough, it's kind of expected that your albums are going to have a different feel and almost a different genre. Like, what is Taylor's next album going to sound like? What is Beyonce's next album going to sound like? What's Ed's next album going to sound like? And before the Beatles, it was like, well, what's Elvis's last next album going to sound like? It's going to sound like Elvis, you know? <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's, you know, it, it was people tended to stay in their lane a little bit more, I think. Mm. And the Beatles were the first group probably with the advent of television that was big enough to be like well we're going to just do something completely off the wall and because we're the beatles we can do it and people will buy it anyway you know and then people will learn to like that and we can kind of reinvent ourselves from album to album and uh, so i feel like they really paved the way for a lot of other artists to have that freedom to step outside of their genre and totally and and, and go beyond so Totally. I can imagine artists arguing with their label about wanting to do something and being able to say, well, the Beatles did it and it worked. <laughs> so let, let us try it. You know, I'd imagine that was used a lot. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's like, well, well, son, you're not the Beatles. It's probably the response. <laughs> <thing. laughs> um, yeah. I love the, the melodies. I just, I just think they had such a good ear for a Paul, mm. especially. Um, I think, you know, people go back and forth about who the best songwriter was, was it John or was it Paul or, you know, George. Some people are, are George stands and love George's stuff. But I, I really love Paul and just I think he has such such a good ear for for melody. And I think part of this comes from being the bass player. Just just you hear the chords differently when you're a bass player. Um, mm. So I, I think some of the, the stuff he comes up with is just really, really beautiful. And uh, some of the chord progressions like uh, we're going to talk about Hey Jude later, but that, I just think that's like the most beautiful chord progression ever mm. it's yeah so i love it that's a great point about him being a bass player and hearing hearing the hearing the notes and the possible notes a little bit differently because mm. because of his bass playing I, that totally makes sense i i think i i, I don't know where i heard it because again there's so many documentaries and shows about the beatles now i can't remember where i heard this but you know they 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 had to think of stuff that they could remember because mm. it was not as easy to record stuff i mean and if you were in the studio great but if you were at home or in the car or anywhere else you couldn't really record what you were doing. Yeah. And so you, they had to write stuff that they could remember. So it, it's catchy, you know? Yeah, it, wasn't, it is, wasn't like you could pull out your voice notes and be singing in the car or just in your bedroom and, oh, I'm going to pull up GarageBand and, you know, or lay down some yeah. tracks and logic. You know, it's, you got to remember it. Yeah. So if it wasn't catchy, they wouldn't remember it. So it's almost like every song they wrote was catchy because that's how they, that's how they could remember it. And, uh, you know, Paul McCartney, his voice, I think, is really underrated. Mm -hmm. And he's such an incredible singer and there's so much that he can do vocally. So when you can sing like he can, the options for melodies are, are, is broken open wide. There's yeah. so much that he could do that the average person w just wouldn't be able to even think of because they couldn't sing it, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting point you make about the having to remember the melodies and that, that might be, you know, as a songwriter, 
whenever I get an idea for a melody, I'm like, I got to write this down. I got to record it because once it's gone, it's gone. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but in yeah. some ways, kind of what you're saying, I, it could be kind of like a filter for what's good. Like if you can't remember it 10 minutes later, was it really that good of a melody? Totally. <laughs> so, I, I, mean, I don't know if they thought of it that way, but I yeah. think that's essentially what happened. You know, mm -hmm. if they forgot it, they, then it wasn't good enough. Yeah. And I love, I love Paul's voice. Like, and he, he can do some of like the, the, the stuff that was kind of more Southern rock tinged, like, I, mm. like come together, like I started with, like that, that stuff fits my voice. So I, whenever I'm playing cover gigs, I play that stuff. Helter Skelter. Yeah. Like I, I love that stuff. That's the stuff that really gets me going. So uh, that, that's one of the things I really, I really love about them. Um, now I know this is the, well, sorry. First of all, uh, other things that you love about the, the, them artistically before we get into things that we, we don't love artistically. Well, that's a good, yeah. I mean, I think the the number one thing I think of with the Beatles is their collabor their collaborating the the way that like they're a true band in this and and you can really see it in in the, like the I think it's Get Back is the documentary I've been watching recently you can really see their collaboration they're sitting around writing and it's not just one person sort of making all the decisions it's almost like everything has to kind of pass the smell test with everybody and if an idea doesn't work for one of them then they they keep on working at it until they get it and you know like some of my favorite artists um don't operate like that like you know like i think like two of my favorite artists of all time are john mayer and billy joel and and i think with both of them although i haven't been in the room while it's happening i think with both of them when they're writing or when they're kind of figuring out how a song's going to go it's probably a lot of them kind of making the final decision and the beatles of course they're not a solo artist they're a band and it's not just that there's a, a lead singer and then a group of musicians they were a true band and they collaborated and it was probably really hard at times especially for for john and paul you know writing the bulk of the songs to kind of let your idea die a little bit, sort of take somebody else up on their idea. Like that collaborative process is not easy. Anybody who's part of a team knows that, but it's also where the genius of the Beatles is. So like they're collaborating, which is the difficult part is also what makes them great is each one of those songs would not exist the way it does. If the guy who maybe first thought of it, kept it to himself, mm -hmm. but because they collaborated, we got this mix of music that, wouldn't have ex existed any other way. So to me, they are like a shining example of being open to other people's ideas and sort of seeking the best together as a group. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. And having been a song, ha having been one of several songwriters in a band for a while, you know, you bring this thing that you've crafted and you bring it to the band and it's like, here's my heart guys. Do you like it? And like, sometimes right. they're like, yeah, that's awesome. And other times they're like, meh, it's okay. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. right. <laughs> you know? Right. It was just so, horrible when that happens. Yeah. But it takes a lot of vulnerability. takes a lot of trust, a lot of friendship. So yeah, totally. bands that can make it work. That's awesome. Um, I have a hard time sometimes with the Beatles. They got some weird stuff, man. They got like, I am the walrus and yellow submarine. I'm, I'm the Eggman. Like there's just, I don't know if they were doing a lot of drugs or if they were just, they were just like, Hey, we're, we're the biggest thing in the world. Let's see how weird we can get. Or I, I don't know, but some, some of that stuff, I just like, I know some people are, like, it's a little, it's a little out there for me. I like the more yeah. mainstream stuff. Maybe that makes me not cool, but no, no, I think you're probably, your sense is probably right. I think there probably was a healthy amount of drug usage involved in some of them. But honestly, I think more than that, they were so young. I think people forget, I mean, people like me who weren't around when the Beatles were really around, uh, we forget how young they were. I mean, they were kids. And so, 
by the time they are world famous rock stars, they're just sort of figuring themselves out, you know, and they were, they had everything in the world accessible to them. And I think when that happens, especially young to people, they seem to just sort of go, okay, well, I've discovered this, I've played all this all the way through to its end, what else is there? And so I think they were searching a lot, you know, they spent all that time in India, and they, you know, got into meditation and spiritual practices. And I think, I think sometimes when you open your mind, I think it was GK Chesterton who said, open your mind, but not so much that your brain falls out. I think (laughs) sometimes when you have a really open mind, yeah, I think you just get into some weird stuff. And and, And also, some of it just seems almost like, provocatively fun like Mm -hmm. some of it i don't even know if it means anything it sometimes it feels like they're like dude we could release a complete nonsense song about nothing and people will listen to it because we're the Mm -hmm. freaking beatles i I, maybe that's not how they were thinking but it's what it seems like yeah uh uh-huh i agree i agree i agree all right cool well let's get into some of the spiritual themes in the songs the first song i want to talk about and again shout out to our friend jude i wanted to talk about hey jude which i think is uh maybe the most beautiful chord progression of all time. So. Mm-hmm. I hate you Don't make it bad Take a sad song And make it better Just remember To let her into your heart Then you can start To make it better and anytime you feel the pain, head you refrain. Don't carry the world upon your shoulders. For you know that it's a fool who plays it cool by making his world a little colder. I just, the, the, all the seventh chords and the transition from the, the, that, that walk down the, anytime you feel the pain, I just, it's just flows so beautifully. It's not just the same simple chord progressions you get in most pop music nowadays. Just, I, I really love it. And then the meaning of the song, um, I love that it talks about, uh, not carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And it's a fool who plays it cool by making his world a little colder. Um, what, what do you think he's saying here? Yeah, it's interesting because this song, I feel like in each of the verses, there's something new for me to kind of think about and remember. I think he's just trying, I think it's a song of encouragement. You know, like when he says, uh, it's a a fool who plays it cool by making his world a little colder. It's like, sometimes we create misery for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we actually make things more difficult. We make our world a little bit more hostile. We're, We're hostile to ourselves. We kind of hate on ourselves. We're kind of needlessly hostile. We take out our own junk on the people around us. And I think like every situation we walk into, we have an opportunity to make it better or worse, you know? So um, it's like the world's going to be tough on you. You're going to have bad days, but don't compound them by making worse things worse. Try to try to try to make things better. And then um, like, like, I think it's an encouragement to not wait for somebody else to sort of like show you the way or pick you up but to just kind of keep marching forward like in the the last part i think he says um so let it out and let it in hey jude just begin uh, or or hey jude begin you're waiting for someone to perform with but don't you know that it's just you hey jude you'll do 
the movement you need is on your shoulder. Um, for me, it's just the whole thing. is just this encouragement. Like, don't wait for anybody else uh, to perform with in that respect. I don't know whether he's talking about like, you know, in a couple or just, you know, like for me, I, I'm a big collaborator. I like, and but I find myself sometimes pausing, waiting for like someone to team up with so I can go do the right thing. And he's like, the movement you need is on your shoulder. You've got what it takes. You know, you've, you've got to decide you're kind of not the creator of your own destiny, but you've got to decide when you're going to go for it, you know, and mm -hmm. if you want to make your world a better place, uh, it starts with you. You know, it's a, that's what I take from it. A lot of times I take things from songs that the artist never intended, but that's just oh, yeah, how my yeah. brain works. Yeah, no, that's, that's fun. That's how my brain works too. And, I, and I'm a firm believer that like the, the, the author of the song doesn't own the authoritative interpretation, you know, like <laughs> that the, the song means what the song means and it can, it can be a little more open-ended. So, yeah. um, yeah, I love, I love what you said there about how we don't have to wait on somebody else, either when we're going through pain and we want to feel better, like sometimes we can take it out kind of in anger. I mean, maybe you do this. I would never do this, of course, but I would never take out my bad day on somebody else, especially somebody I care about. No, I think we all do that. <laughs> but I think, I think that's one part. But then sometimes if you're not that sort of person who takes it out on other people, you know, in, in a, like an outward expressive way, like you get mean or nasty. Sometimes you can take it out on the other person internally by the way you're mm. thinking about them inside. Totally. Right. You know, totally. like you can be like thinking they didn't do this for me. I, they, I, I do this for them. You know, when, 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 when this happens, I'm always there. I'm always the person that calls. I'm always the person who remembers their birthday. You know, I, I do this and then they don't do this of course. And then they can have this whole list of things that they do that you don't do. <laughs> But yeah. if we, if we are relying on somebody else to make ourselves whole, to make ourselves feel better, we're always going to fall short. Right. Cause only, only God can really, really feel that. Um, but at the same time, I see in this song, a call to not just encouragement, but also vulnerability hmm. because he, he says, um, you found her, go out and get her. Remember to let her into your heart right? Like there's, you've, you've got to kind of let down your walls. Like it's not that you can't go to other people for help, right? You can go to other people for help, but you can't put it all on them. You know, like they're, they're not responsible for your happiness, um, either by not annoying you or by being able to read your mind and know your needs automatically. Like I think, um, that, mm. that comes from like a healthy prayer life and, and, you know, healthy emotional life and sorting those things out. And then you can go to another person in vulnerability and say in a non-threatening way, not, Hey, you didn't do this for me, but like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Can you help me? Um, yeah. Yeah. And that kind of the, the key to this song for me is anytime you feel the pain, Hey Jude refrain, uh, being an English major, I, I know the fancy word for this. That's uh, a contronym when a word has two different meanings that are also opposite meanings. Because what does it mean to refrain? If you refrain from something, it means you stop it, right? You're not doing it. But refrain can also mean to repeat doing it and keep doing it. So when you feel the pain, refrain, meaning like stop, but also like keep doing, like kind of sit in that pain. You got to kind of work it out a little bit yourself. And so that when you go to another person, if you go to another person, you can go in a way that's not where you're not just like this anger ball or this insecurity ball, right? You can go and be like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I need. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, that that's kind of a psychological truth, but it's also, I think a spiritual truth because Jesus tells us you can't serve both God and man, right? Like we got to go, we got to find our hope and our encouragement first in God. And then other people can help us, right? But if we go to other people expecting them to be God, 
right? And expecting that they're going to they're gonna be, you know, if we're serving their expectations or, or we yeah. think they're going to fulfill everything in us, then not only is that a disservice to them, it's not going to fulfill our needs in the first place. So I think, I think anytime you feel the pain, you got to refrain. You got to stop for a minute and then refrain. Sit in it, pray about it, take it to God. And then you're in a place where you could go to another person in vulnerability and let her into your heart, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, I mean, the way you said it is is so clear and it makes it sound simple, but I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. I mean, and, and it's not, it's not easy, right? But it is kind of simple in the sense mm -hmm. that uh, we're supposed to trust God. You know, what's that quote? Um, Work as if everything depends on you, but pray as if everything depends on God, Some, yeah. something like that. I think that is kind of the, it's, 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 it's when you sum it up into a little quote, it's like, oh, okay, that's a cute little thing. But actually, I think that's the trick, I think is to to take the weight upon your shoulders in the sense that you wake up with a, with a, with a drive, with a mission, with a vision, you, you feel like you've been tasked with something, like you have a responsibility and taking that seriously, taking your role in the world seriously, taking your role in the kingdom of God seriously, but at the same, at the same time, not taking yourself too seriously. Yeah. You know, like in that first part, when you first asked me what, you know, about that chorus line, as soon as you said the line, um, uh, what is it? I think um, don't carry the world on, on your shoulders. Don't carry the world upon your shoulders. To me, that's like the whole that that's the sentiment of the song. Like you got it. You got to give it your all. You got to try. You got to work hard at this thing. You can't be lazy about it. You can't you can't be apathetic about it. Um, but at the same time, don't let the stress and the anxiety and the pressure cause you to get off track. Like, and, and so there's that, there's that fine line of like how to, how to really try, but not to try so hard that it cripples you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and depending on what sort of person you are and depending on where you are in your life, you might need the message that says like, Hey, God's got this pray as if it all depends on God. Or you might be in a place in your life where you're kind of apathetic and you might need to be like, Look, work like it all depends on you. And that, I think, is the value of, one, a prayer life, but two, a church community. And like wise spiritual mentors going to confession, uh, having a spiritual director, having people that you're praying with and talking to deeply about spiritual things that are going on. Because a lot of times other people are able to name that in you. And you might be beating yourself up because you are carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. But somebody else can say, hey, like, look, God's got this. Or you might be the sort of person that's like, oh, it'll be fine. And one of your friends might be able to like, I mean, it will be fine. God's got it all. But like, really, you need to pay your taxes, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, Yeah. I, we, when we get into isolation, we get in trouble. We need people absolutely. to speak into our lives for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So listeners, if you're, one, if you're one of those people that you've been struggling to find a church community or some spiritual friends, I really encourage you like that is a place where such growth happens. And it, and it can take some work to find a place where you, where you feel comfortable, to find a place that's welcoming. I know I've definitely been a part of some church communities that have not been so welcoming and been kind of toxic. But when the church is doing the church well, like, oh man, does it, does it help us to grow? And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's by and large been my experience of church, but I know it's, it hasn't been everybody's. So hmm. speaking of that, I wanted to get into this next song, which is kind of on that topic. So uh what would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? So lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song and I'll try not to sing out of key. 
Oh, I get by with a little help from my friends. Mm, I get high with a little help from my friends. Yeah, I'm gonna try with a little help from my friends. Do you need anybody? I want somebody to love. That is such a fun little song. And uh, who's what, who does the version that's like a real slow and bluesy and three, four, it was like the Wonders Years theme. You know what I'm talking about? Mm, is a, I do. I, I'm trying to remember. remember. Is it Bob Seger? Or, I forget. But there's a really good like kind of bluesy cover of this song, which is just so melancholy and uh, very, very different than the happy-go-lucky Beatles version. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I know this is not exactly what we're talking about right now, but mm-hmm. it reminds me of something really interesting about the Beatles that I always think about, which is sometimes the Beatles covers are in my opinion, better than the original song, which might be sacrilege to say, I realize that, but I think I don't, I don't mean it in a bad way. I just think they were so prolific with so many songs that they wrote songs that I think sometimes, sometimes the covers I hear, I'm like, Whoa, I didn't realize this song had that much in it, which I think is the mark of a great song. Yeah. uh A lot of the same. I I always say that about Bob Dylan. Like I feel like a lot of Bob Dylan songs are better when they're covered by Adele Mm. or, you too, or something, or, you know, Jimi yeah. Hendrix, something like that. <laughs> so. Yeah. And again, I don't know. We, we may be outcast for saying that, but yeah, that's how yeah. I feel. Yeah. All right. So talking about the value of friendship, um, I, I feel like just, just even within this past summer, I have been kind of renewed in my awareness of just how important good friends are. Like, mm. you know, I've been married for a while. I've been married, married 10 years. I got kids. I got a career. I got a job. I got, I got, I got, you know, family that's close. And I think it's easy in some in my state of light to a state of life to kind of drift from my friends that, that I knew in college or knew when I was younger or not when I was, I was playing in bands and clubs every weekend. And I've really become aware of just how important those friendships are. Um, Mm. even though I have these like close family ties and, you know, a good marriage and all those sorts of things. Um, so let's talk about, uh, friendship a little bit. Do you have, do you have some, some good friends you've kept in touch with through the years or, uh, what does friendship look in your life right now? Yeah, it's funny. I I was just at a wedding a couple of weeks ago of one of my old friends from elementary school and, you know, we've, we've kept in touch, but we got like the whole crew back together and it was so weird because we were sitting there in this room before the wedding all catching up and you know it's when you see somebody who you haven't seen in two years or five years or even 10 years but this is like you know we hadn't seen each other some of us in 20 years like the last time we saw each other i was like you know riding my bike around the neighborhood or something and it was just so great to get there there were things that came back to us instantly. I mean, there were refer- little subtle references to little inside jokes that somebody would make. And I'm like, wow, 20 years later, I know exactly yeah. what that, what he means by that. And there is something really therapeutic and, and just sweet about that. So you can't deny the value of good friendship. And it is harder as you get older. I mean, anybody, anybody, anytime you move out of one season and into the next, it's harder to keep up with friends and, for me, I find that the people I'm friends with are the people I'm around, which is difficult because I, I travel a lot. And so, uh, especially over, over the last several years, being on the road full time, I end up becoming friends with the people who I see on the road. So there are people who live in different states and even different countries who they, they end up being the people close to me. Those are the people I have something in common with, we keep in touch with. Um, and then when I'm, when I'm home, which is in either Nashville or Florida, uh, we kind of split our time. And when I'm in either of those places, it's like usually Sarah and I's number one priority 
is all right, we're going to be we're going to be in Nashville next week. We got to schedule to see some people because you got to be intentional with it. You know, once you're not in college, and you're not hanging around the dorm anymore. You're not yeah. just going to hang out with people by accident. You know, you yeah. actually have to try. Absolutely. Yeah, 100 percent. And I, I really love what you said about being like meeting up with old elementary school friends. And even though you haven't seen each other in 20 years, like there's something that connects you. And I, I feel like in my life, there's, there's kind of like two kind of two camps that my friends fall into is, you know, I've, I've been working in Catholic ministry my entire adult life. I'm very involved at our church. So pretty much all of my new friends almost are exclusively Catholic and like, not just Catholic, but like super Catholic, like they're running the DR, they're running the, the parish programs, you know, they're, they're yeah. Catholic speakers and musicians like I am, you know, they're running a podcast or, or something like that. Like their ministry is what they do. Um, but I also have my friends that I like grew up with and like, we don't live in the same place for the most part anymore. We don't have the same religion necessarily. We don't have the same political views. We don't have like, like I have a friend, like the time we catch up is like whenever there's like a new Supreme court nominee and like, he like calls me up to like talk about it, you know, cause he right. needs to like flesh it out and sort it out with somebody who, who like thinks a little bit differently than him. Mm, and like, I, I, I love that. And there's, there's something to that shared history. Cause I think it's, I think it's good to have, you know, I think it's good to have the support of friends who are like-minded can support you in your spiritual walk and you, you can go to with spiritual questions and, and can pray with you and pray for you. And like, I think it's good to surround yourself with those people, but I also mm. think there can be like too much of like a Catholic bubble. You know what I mean? Totally. And I, I think, I think it can be really good to like have some atheist friends, have some Jewish friends, have some Buddhist and Muslim friends, like to, um, you know, just some secular friends, some people that, that, that aren't involved in, in, in anything really. And i recognize like the common humanity there. And mm. I think that's good for us, but it's also, it's also the gospel call to like be friends with these people and, and, and love them as Christ would love them. Um, and yeah, you know, not yeah, compromise. Your I, values, I find obviously, that, but, yeah. that most of my friends right now, most of the friends I really spend my day to day with, I, I don't even know if most of them are Catholic. Um, the, the common theme with people I be, I end up being friends with is I can be myself around them. You know, if, if I, if I can't be myself around somebody, it's very, very unlikely that we're actually going to be friends. And, and so unfortunately, at least recently, it's, it's felt like a lot of my, a lot of my, not even just my Catholic friends, but just a lot of, a lot of my religious friends, um, things are so tense. There's so many issues everybody's so tense about. And even my non-religious friends, the ones who are super tense and you can't say one little thing wrong. I mm -hmm. find myself not really spending a lot of time with those people. I, yeah. I find myself spending time with people who I could say something really honest to, and I know I'm going to get a thoughtful response, not like a judgmental kind of um, reaction. You know what I mean? Um, and that, unfortunately, um, too many people, I think, aren't around people who they can really say what they feel around, you know, and yeah. still be like welcomed and loved. Yeah, I think I think part of that is like social media is we're still friends with people, but we don't we're like in the same room with them. And I, I noticed an interesting phenomenon is one of my buddies that he he loves to talk politics with me for some reason. I'm not like super into politics, but for some reason he always wants to talk about it with me. If we're in the same place, like having a beer, I'm over at his house, he's over at my house, and we talk about politics and we totally disagree and we're like going back and forth. At the end of the day, I feel like closer to him because we had like had mm. it out, you know, mm. but if we had that same interaction online chatting back and forth in a comment box, I would feel like distant. Yeah, no. Chance. So it's there's there's so much of that that I, th I think is due to social media. But 
something that like you said that I think is part of this first verse here. What would you think if I sang at a tune? Would you stand up and, and, and walk out on me? Are you going to mm. be judgmental? Are you going to mm. let me be me? Are you going to j- be like conditional love or, or unconditional love? And mm. I think you're right. Unfortunately, a lot of times in, in Catholic circles, I was just talking to a, a friend the other day who listens to the show and she was like, she's not Catholic, but she was saying, you know, I know a lot of you Catholics. I know you're not like this, Mike, but a lot, there's this guilt and just everything is about you do the thing. And if you don't do the thing, you're bad. And if you do do the thing, you're good. You just got to obey, obey, obey. And there's just all these rules and all this Catholic guilt. And, um, w- the message that comes across is God has conditional love, right? He only loves you if. And of course, God calls us to, to live the gospel and to, to, to live compassionate, virtuous lives. But I think a lot of times, unwittingly, because we have that judgmental attitude, we tell people that our church and really our God is a God of conditional love who only mm. loves you if, right? So I think, yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think, and it, it fits so perfectly with what the Beatles did sort of in their own songwriting is like they were, they were collaborating, you know, you, the, the, there is so much beauty and goodness and truth in the world. Of course, you know, if we believe that, um, that God is goodness and beauty and, and truth itself, right? So, you know, he is love itself, right? Um, and so, and God is in everybody. So there is goodness and truth and beauty in everybody. And, I think if we're not open to it in other people, we're, we're missing part of the picture, you know? So I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's easy to say that it's a whole nother thing to live it out, but I just think you gotta be, you gotta have your convictions and you gotta pursue truth, but you also gotta delight in other people, mm-hmm. even in their quirks and even in their weird opinions. I, I just think, I just think if we can't delight in other people, people need to be delighted in. I mean, I know yeah. I do, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So if all I ever feel is judged, I'm not going to want to spend a lot of time around you, you know? Yeah. Well, I think you're a delightful Dom. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love what you said because about meeting people and delighting them because that's what Jesus did, right? He's like, hey, Samaritan woman, let's have a talk. Like, hey, tax collector, you know, I'm coming to your house tonight, you know? And everyone's like, Jesus, what are you doing? Do you know who he is? Do you know who she is? And then he's like, yeah, we're going to dinner. Come on, we can all come, you know? So I, and again, not that Jesus was, you know, permissive of sin. He calls people to repentance, but the first thing he does yeah. is just what you say. He delights them. Like he meets them and he loves them first. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, I have this quote from uh, St. John Paul II that I, I use in, I feel like every other episode, but it says, man cannot live without love. He remains a being that is incomprehensible for himself. His life is senseless. If love is not revealed to him, if he does not encounter love, if he does not experience it and make it his own, if he does not participate intimately in it. And Mm. if we cut ourselves off and we're just like, all right, I'm in Catholic world with, you know, my little sect of Catholics who think the exact same way I do, or my same set of people that think the exact same way I do, we are denying people, not just love, but like comprehension of their own lives. Right. Like when we love people, we are making the world make more sense for them. Right. Mm. And we, we participate in love. It makes, it just makes the world make more sense. You know, when you, when we say that the world is senseless, what do we mean? It means we look around and it's like, why are, why is it like this? Why are people treating themselves this way? Like love makes the world and makes ourselves make sense. So. Yes. Yeah. I think that's why love one another was such a central command. You know, like when, when Jesus says, I have a new command for you, I think that's sort of the intention there. Uh, sorry, my my alarm is I'm, my house may be getting broken into. I'm not positive, but uh, we're going to carry on with the show. If I disappear, you know why. 
Um, right. I, I think when he says, I have a new command for you, you know, it's like we, we kind of skip over that, right? But the, the word new for us is just sort of a casual kind of slightly updated, a little bit better than the last version. But uh, the original, you know, kind of, if you look at the Greek, you look at the Hebrew, the word that he's using there, new, is more like revolutionary or groundbreaking. So he's like, mm. I have this revolutionary groundbreaking command for you. I have this command that's going to change everything. And you can imagine they're like, they're thinking, well, this is the guy who multiplied, you know, the loaves and fish and he walked on water and he cast out demons. And now he's saying he's got something that's really going to change everything. So they're thinking like, whatever is coming next is going to be the most incredible thing. And then he says, love one another. That was this big groundbreaking thing he wanted to share with them. And I, I don't, I don't think that that's just kind of a nice little hallmark Christian, you know, postcard. I think, I think it's the most radical thing we can do to be loved to one another, knowing that, that who among us is really capable of being loved, of, of loving unconditionally and who among us is really worthy of being loved unconditionally. Um, and yet we have to do it anyway. It's the way we're loved by God and it's the way that he wants us to love others. So um, it would be great if everybody could experience the fullness of, of God in their own personal prayer life. But for most people, they're going to need somebody from the outside treating them like Jesus, you know, dude, preach brother preach. <laughs> that is so good. That is so good. What, what it reminds me of, you know, that, that, that love is revolutionary. Um, it reminds me of that, that verse where Jesus says, you know, if the disciples say to him, uh, you know, Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. And he's like, all, all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. And you can like tell that tree to get up and mm -hmm. go into the sea. And we hear that and we think, oh, if I just believed harder, if I was just had fewer doubts or certainty in my head, but, but what is faith? It's, it's not just like how certain you are, but it is acting even when you're uncertain. And like those daily acts of love, if we just are faithful to those daily acts of love, like that's what's gonna move a mountain, right? By his grace. It's, again, it's not something we can do on our own. It needs to be steeped in prayer and the sacraments and the community. That's how we're fueled up. But it's those daily acts of loving people, loving our neighbor. That's what's revolutionary. I, I love it. I love it. I, ne yeah. I never knew about that about the Greek and the Latin and the, the Hebrew or whatever you said, but that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Gonna, I, I don't know where that. I heard that. I did definitely didn't, I definitely don't know the Greek and Hebrew myself, but I, mm -hmm. I, I read it from somebody I trust, I guess. Awesome. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, speaking of faith, I wanted to go into, um, probably my favorite Beatles song all the way around. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Let it be, let it be, let it be. Let it be, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. So when they ask Paul McCartney about this song, he talks about how he had a dream one time about, you know, he's going through a hard time. He had a dream of his mother who had passed away and his mother just saying, let it be, let it be, let it be. And so his mom's name was Mary. And so speaking of Mother Mary. I went on a retreat in college with uh, a Franciscan friar. I'm all about the Franciscans. I've, I've been in with like set three different brands of Franciscans at different times of my life. My spiritual director's a Franciscan. But nice. on this retreat, it was all about Marian spirituality. And he played this song and he's like, do you know where the phrase let it be comes from? It comes from the gospel of Luke. 
when Mary said, when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you know, blessed are you, blessed is the fruit of your womb. You know, uh, a son will be born to you. We'll name him Emmanuel and he will be Jesus. And Mary asks, well, how can this be? You know, I haven't been with a man. And Gabriel explains, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit will, will come over you. And what does, what is Mary's response? Mary's response says, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And in Latin, the word is fiat. And it literally yeah, translates yeah. to like, let it be. And so somewhere in the back of Paul McCartney's mind, <laughs> I think, you know, th this is one of like the, the great famous phrases of, of scripture is what, what is the wisdom of Mary? The wisdom of Mary is even when things seem crazy, even when an angel appears out of the sky and tells you a young teenage girl that even though you haven't had sex, you're going to be pregnant and not just pregnant, but pregnant with like the savior of the world. What is her response? Even though she's like bewildered and, and, and questioning, how can this be? Her response is let it be like, mm. if it's God's will, let it be. Even if it's hard, let it be. And that's why I wore this shirt today. Um, actually got this at NCYC last year. I bought it for my wife, so it's a little tight on me. But I wanted nice. to wear it anyway. And it's got, it's got Mary, the M, at the foot of the cross. And um, it's got the, the um, Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate yeah. Heart of Mary on it down there below. I don't know how well you can see it. But um, so often when I find myself in times of trouble or I'm in a world of brokenhearted people, <laughs> I, uh, I turn to the words of Mary. I turn to her fiat and say, you know what, Lord, this doesn't make any sense. I don't know what's going on right now. It's confusing. I don't know how this can be, but if this is your will, let it be done to me according to your word. And just kind of trusting that it's going to bear fruit in the same way that Mary bore fruit. Um, so th this song, like, I don't know, it, it like cuts straight to my heart. Sometimes I can't even play it without like tearing up. It's like, mm. yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, I love that, man. I love, I love that you said that because it, it probably is one of the most sort of true sentiments. And, and it's like, like you said, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't explicitly talking about the mother Mary we think of when we say those words, mother Mary. Um, but just because I, he wasn't writing this uh, for Catholic podcasts to dissect, <laughs> I, I, th I think, think he, I think he was dumb. I think he was. Yeah, he may have he may have been doing us a favor, but I, I it's, to me, it's it's actually more beautiful that he wasn't because there's there truth is universal. Yes, you know, and so like the the sentiment of this to to um, there will be an answer, like there will be an answer, like God is at work, and and you know truth will prevail, goodness will prevail. Um, I think that's just like a really important sentiment for us to have hope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if 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 truth isn't going to prevail, if there won't be an answer, if the night will remain cloudy forever, if the light will never shine again, then there would be no reason for hope. You know, so I think yeah. being people of hope is is exactly that to to basically live out the sentiment of this song. I think that that's what it is to be people of hope. Yeah, those those refrains, speaking words of wisdom, whisper words of wisdom. There will be an answer. Like man, how, how deeply do I need to hear those words sometimes when I'm going through stuff? Just like, Hey, let it be, there will be an answer, you know? Um, and then there comes a day where you wake up to the sound of music and like things have gotten better, you know? And, mm. uh, and then ultimately one day there will, you know, when, when we, when we get to go, go home to Jesus, there, there will be that day we wake up to the sound of music and it's on a whole another level. But even in this life, there is consolation and, and there is hope and we, we don't have to live with suffering all the time. Um, that la at the very end, it even says there will be no sorrow. Let it be. 
shine until tomorrow. Even when the night is cloudy, there's still a light that shines on me. And I, I think, yeah, that's such a, an image of hope. It's just like that, that little star, like piercing through the darkness. There's still a light. That yes. Shines. Yes. Yeah. I think hope is, hope is essentially the belief that things will get better. That's, mm -hmm. and so if you, if you, I, I know what it's like, and I'm going to be honest with you, like over the last couple of years, especially in, when, when the pandemic first got going, and all, all of our work kind of dried up. You know, we weren't speaking, we weren't doing music anywhere. And for a little while, it was really grim there. And I, I'm not going to lie. I, it's so easy to talk about this stuff, but dude, I totally lost my sense of hope. And, and, you know, you can ask people who, who know me really well. It was like, I, I sort of became like a shell of myself, to be honest. And, and the thing that was missing was my hope. You know, I, it's, it's like, I mean, I, I still had food to eat. You know, I had a roof over my head. My, you know, my wife, we were both healthy and happy and we were together and there's a lot to be thankful for, but I just, I just lost this sense of hope. I lost this sense of something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And I think you need something to look forward to, you know? Um, so for, yeah. for some of us, it's like, oh, we have a concert we're going to next week, but, but more, I think more ultimately for all of us, we're hoping that there is redemption, you yeah. know what I mean? At some point. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I know, that, I mean, we, we all go through that. I feel like I've, I've, I've shared a couple of times on this show before. I feel like this past summer has been like a rough time for me. Mm. And there's, there's been times where it's, it's hard mm. to hope, you know? And, uh, yeah. So thanks for sharing that. I think COVID for a lot of people was, was an experience of that, but everybody has their thing. I, I, sometimes I, I feel like, you know, when I was first kind of getting into the spiritual life in college and I was discerning whether I was going to be a priest or whether I was going to, you know, marry my college girlfriend and all that sort of thing. I, I felt like God kind of hit me over the head with this trust two by four. It's like, look, you got to trust me. Look, you got to trust me. Look, you got to trust me. And then I kind of got through that time and I was like, ah, now I know how to trust God. But then like every few years, God needs to pull out the trust two by four because I get complacent, you know, I get complacent with the things in this world and the, the way my life is going. And, uh, we need that reminder that like, no, it's, it's not, it's not the things of this world that we need to place our, our hope in. Um, that's the sort of person I am anyway, when things are going well, I often forget to pray and I often forget to be close to God. Uh, but when things are terrible, when things are crap, I'm like, man, I got holy hours. I'm going to confession. I'm like reading my daily, uh, my daily uh, devotions and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I know some people, so, some people are the other way. My, my wife is the opposite way. Like when she's, when she's in a bad place, it's really hard for her to pray. But when she's like good to go, like she's, so we, we kind of hold each other accountable in a, a little bit like that. Um, yeah. But, you know, different people are different ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, and I appreciate you sharing that as well because I, I think – I think we have a tendency sometimes in, in like Christian public life to act like it's all good all the time. Um, mm -hmm. And everybody knows that's a lie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're not fooling anybody. I, if this, the Psalms, for example, are, are full of songs of lament. Like it's not all good all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being a person of faith doesn't mean you never have worries or anxieties. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So um, like – there's a reason we keep my, one of my favorite TV shows is West wing. Nice. And there's a line where they're talking about this. It might be like a certain policy they're pushing out or something. And somebody says, well, you know, you're kind of preaching to the choir. You know, why, why are you preaching to the choir and the character Toby in the show? He says, well, that's how you get them to sing, you know? And so it's like, even for those of us who might consider ourselves in the choir or who might, you know, other, might be perceived by other people as being in the choir, uh, we still need to be preached to. There's a reason you preach to the choir. It's it's how you get them to sing. 
Um, and when the choir is singing, then the whole, ch- then, then the rest of the church joins in and sings ideally. Yeah. So I just think that message is important for people, especially in the church and in ministry to hear like, Hey, it's not all going to be good all the time. You're going to hit rough patches. That's exactly where songs like this can come in and help you out, you know? Yeah. And, and to, to bring it back to Mary, I mean, Mary, she did not have an easy life. She did not have like a trial free life. Mm-hmm. I, I always love as a, as a teacher and somebody who worked with, uh, you know, teenagers a lot. The, the only story we have of Jesus as an adolescent is when he gets lost in the temple. And what does Mary say to him when she finds him? She says, my son, you have filled us with great anxiety. <laughs> like, <laughs> like even teenage Jesus filled his parents with great anxiety. <laughs> right. But what is what does Mary do every step of the way? It says this in the in the Gospel of Luke. Every time there's something confusing or difficult, what does Mary do? It says, and Mary took these things and she pondered them in her heart. And so mm-hmm. for me, like again, that's that's a lesson from the Blessed Mother is when I find myself in times of trouble, let it be, ponder them in my heart, bring them back to the Lord, and have that hope that. You know, there's still a, there's still a light that shines on me, even though right now it's hard for me to hope. There's still a light. Yeah. So, yeah. Amen. That. All right. So uh, we're coming down close to the end here. Uh, you mentioned before before we started filming that you love the Beatles song "Yesterday." Do you want to tell us a little bit about that song and why? Yeah. Why you think yeah. It's so well. It's, it's interesting because it's kind of an interesting song in a couple of different ways. I think for the, for Beatles fans, you'll, you know, if you were, well, if you're old enough to be remembering when the song came out, that's a different story. You, you remember it especially well then, but even, even look, listening back, it's, it's a very different song. First of all, um, there's the band isn't really playing on the song. And I, I remember hearing Paul McCartney say that um, when he brought it to the rest of the band and the, you know, had like a little bit of a demo going, the rest of the band was like, I don't really know what to do on this. Like, I, I don't really want, I don't know what to add. It sort of seems good as it is. And so it was kind of just an acoustic song. Um, and it's a little bit of that kind of ballad and, and they were a rock and roll band, you know? So I, and I, I remember hearing that, that um, the producer wanted to add like a, like a, maybe an orchestra to it uh, or, or maybe even like a, just a string quartet. And, you know, Paul McCartney was like, no way, we're not doing strings. We're a rock and roll band, you know, but the producer was like, well, just try it. And so, you know, they, they just tried it and, and he ended up liking it. So you can hear the strings if you listen to the song now. Um, but it, it's kind of a sad song. It's a, it's a song about um, love being lost, you know? And I also remember hearing that Paul McCartney says that he, he doesn't really remember actively thinking of this song. It sort of came to him in a dream which is sort of a theme. I know that's happened with him with other songs as well, but he said this song came to him sort of in a dream and he woke up like humming it and thinking it was already a song, thinking it must be somebody else's song because he knew he didn't, he didn't try to write it. And so he started sharing it with people like, Hey, what's that song? And nobody could remember what song it was. So it just turned out that he had kind of written this, you know, in his sleep, which is crazy considering it's, you know, gone on to become one of the most famous songs ever. But um, it's, it's, it's a sad song, um, super sad, you know, oh but it's also like, uh, just yearning for yesterday, which is, it's sort of the opposite of like the hope we were just talking about, you know, it's yeah. sort of like uh-huh. yearning for yesterday, but I also think it's very real. Um, and what I mean by that is when I hear it, um, I'm reminded of like, well, we all do have a yesterday, you know, we all have lost things and mm-hmm. loss is a part of life. 
and you kind of just have to figure out how to keep going and how to, I think that's where hope comes in to hope for the future. Because if your trust is in the past, well, it's in the past. And in some ways the past is gone, you know, and the things of the past are gone. So um, you might even wrestle with it. Like in the bridge, you know, he says why she had to go. I don't know. She wouldn't say, but I, I said something wrong and now I long for yesterday. So I think we've all made mistakes. You know, we all kind of, in some ways live in the wreckage of our own sort of misdeeds or our own mistakes or, you know, places we wandered off the path. We all have to carry those things. Um, but then there's hope, there's hope to keep moving on. So it's a sad song, but I think sometimes those songs, even though it's not like it resolves in the happiest way ever, um, mm -hmm. sometimes that's really important to, like you said, to be vulnerable and to just share something that's a little bit sad. And for me, this song is, is that, but, but in a good way. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think there's two lessons we can, we can, that come to mind for me is one that when we say hope, it doesn't mean push all the grief out of the way, ignore it, you know, shove it under the rug. Like you kind of got to dwell there. You got to sit with it in prayer and talk to some people like you, you gotta, you gotta sit with it for a while and really feel it. And that's how you process it. You know, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, but also there can be something hopeful about looking to the happiness of the past. You know, you don't want to get stuck there, but how many times in the scriptures does it say, remember what God has done for you. Remember the wonders he worked in the land of Egypt. Remember, 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 you know, remember, look, look to the, to the ages past. Has anyone trusted in the Lord and been forgotten? That's from uh, Sirach chapter two. Like, so there is a value one in sitting in the grief and really feeling it and letting God into that. And two, to looking to the past for encouragement. Cause if God brought you through it before he can bring you through it again. But I think you're right. It's important not to get like stuck there. So, but I, I love yeah. that song. I first, I first um, got to know that song. I was in a choir in high school and all men's choir. We did the boys to men version. You were talking about great covers of Beatles songs. That's nice. a great cover of a Beatles song. Uh, we did like the acapella version. It was super, super fun. So, Oh, I yeah, hope there's a video of that on YouTube somewhere. Oh uh, no, it was pre pre YouTube. So uh, <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right about that. It's like yesterday happened. It's real, but there's also, there's hope for tomorrow. I mean, you know, to use that theme of the day is like we have to find joy and peace today in some way but uh but there's hope for tomorrow you know so we can't get stuck in yesterday amen amen all right don well i promised our listeners that by the end of this episode we would be able to give them some takeaways for how to live the gospel today so i'm wondering mm -hmm. if there's just one thing that we've talked about that is kind of like your gospel takeaway your gospel challenge for how do we how do we live these messages in our life is there one thing that stood out to you from what we talked about Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the two things that we sort of accidentally focused on were trusting in God and lo mm -hmm. loving other people. So for me, I think it's, it's that, uh, tr the gospel says love one another. I think those are, those are, those are direct words from the gospel, um, love mm -hmm. one another. And it's like, he could have said, I have a new commandment for you. This is really, really important. Make sure you tell everybody what's right and wrong. That it just wasn't, <laughs> it just wasn't his primary command. It's not that it's not important, but it's like first and foremost, love one another. I, th I think that is the secret is we're supposed to love one, e one each other. We're supposed to be kind and gracious to one another. We're supposed to respect each other. We're supposed to um, try to see the good in each other. Uh, I think that, I think that is a miracle when that happens. You know, Mother Teresa said, it is Christmas morning every time you let God love somebody through you. 
it is mm. Christmas morning. And it's just like, well, what does she mean by that? I think Christmas morning that it's, it's the happiest, you know, I, of course, in the, in the ideal sense, right. When you're opening all your presents with your family and everything, I know that's not everybody's reality, but Christmas morning is like this fulfillment of a promise. It's, it's the savior has come. It's light has come. It's joy has come. You know, the waiting is over. The night is over. Um, there's, and, and there's celebration. And that's what mother Teresa said happens every time you let God love somebody through you. So for me, it's, it's love one another. That's kind of the, the drum I'm beating right now. Awesome. Very cool. And the one that stuck with me most is when the night is cloudy, there's still a light that shines on me. There will be an answer. And so uh, for me, the next time I'm going through something tough, I'm going to try to be like Mary, ponder these things in my heart and just say, Lord, I trust you. Let it be done to me according to your word. I'm, I'm, I am your servant. So that's mm. going to be my takeaway. Uh, Donald, I often asks my, ask my guests if they would close us in prayer. Would you lead us in a prayer kind of reflecting on some of these things we've talked about? Sure. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, Listeners, wherever you are, uh, take a moment, take a breath, close your eyes unless you're driving, and uh, let's join together in prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. We just put ourselves in your presence. We just stop for a moment and um, pause to reflect on your goodness, on your love for us, on your invitation to us to be holy, to be saints, on your command to us to love one another. We think about your providence, about how your hand is always working in our lives, that you're always working for our good, that you love us. We, we take a moment to just remember how loved we are, that we are truly beloved. And we let that encourage us and inspire us to have faith, even when things don't seem to be going to plan. We, we just are inspired by that to have faith that the sun will shine again, even when it's cloudy. And so uh, we just ask for help casting our anxieties upon you because that's hard to do. It's hard to let go of our anxieties and our stresses and our worries. And so we just ask for the courage to be able to cast them on you um, and just to free up room in our lives for trust and for unconditional love. So Lord, we just ask um, for the grace to not only receive that from you, but to also share that with other people. And we thank you for uh, the work that Mike and his team are doing with this great podcast, uh, that it would continue to bless many people and to reach many people. Um, and we also just thank you for pop culture, as weird and beautiful and crazy as it is, um, that you shine in the midst of all of it and that um, truth is, is there to be found everywhere. So we ask you to bless Mike and his team as they continue this awesome journey as well. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dom, for being here. Uh, tell yeah. if the people want to find you and know more about you, where should they go? Yeah, man. Uh, I guess right now, I think Instagram is probably where I'm most active. I, I, I haven't been tweeting as much just because I, I trying to not poison my life. Um, <laughs> but I am on, I am on Instagram at Dom Qualia Jr. I guess I'm on YouTube and TikTok and everywhere else, but that's probably the main the main place. And I have, a, I have a kind of a weird last name. So if you look it up, you'll mm -hmm. probably find me or one of my cousins we'll, in Italy or something. <laughs> and we'll put, we'll put links in the show notes and everything. So if you want to find Dom, please go follow him. Um, thank you so much for uh, being on the show for your wisdom and for your ministry. Uh, God bless you and Sarah and all that you're doing. And uh, thanks, yeah, buddy. thanks for joining us and share, sharing your expertise 
on the Beatles. And listeners, thank you so much for being with us. Once again, this has been Pop Culture Catechism, the gospel according to pop music. My name is Mike Tenney. You can find more about me at MikeTenneyMusic.com or at PopCultureCatechism.com, where you can also go if you want to become a patron of the show and help the show to run. As a patron, you get access to exclusive content. So for example, every episode gets exclusive content. So for this episode, I'm actually going to play uh, some Beatles songs and I'm going to do that as the exclusive content for this show. So you'll, you'll, you'll get some music from me doing Beatles songs. Uh, but you also get all the talks that I do in my speaking ministry. I throw all those up there and also access to other exclusive Awakened stuff. All of that can be found through the Awakened Catholic app. The Awakened Catholic app is a free app for everyone. It's got an awesome Catholic and Christian music library. It's got a Catholic prayer library. It's trilingual in English and Spanish and Latin. Latin. It's got a great Catholic Christian community that tries to avoid some of the toxicity you might find on some other uh, social media sites that we won't mention. And then it's also a hub for all the shows. And then, of course, if you are a patron, you get access to all the exclusive content we just talked about. Thank you to all our patrons, but especially Brett Hayden, Darlene and Jay McCaffrey, Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Stephen Maggie Hubbard, and Tom and Emily Comberiati. Thank you, Dom. We love you guys, and we will see you next time.